1: Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Better Faster Podcast. Today, Bray and I are talking about CrossFit as a sport, what it takes to be successful, and specifically what our athletes are doing to prepare themselves for the upcoming regionals. If you could, please subscribe, go to iTunes and leave us a review. It's really helpful for us. We really appreciate it. You can also leave a comment or a question in that review so we know what you want us to talk about. Hope you enjoy today's episode.
0: Happy Monday, everybody. Welcome to the Veteran Pastor Passer podcast. Okay, we're two weeks out of the CrossFit Open. The dust has settled, and we now know who's going to regionals. And Josh, you've had so many athletes qualify, I can't even keep count. Multiple (laughs) divisions too, man. Individual, team, masters. How many total was it?
1: Um, We have uh, three individuals, uh, three males, a team, which is uh, four individuals, and then uh, two masters athletes that will be doing the masters qualifier.
0: Wow, man, that is that is huge. First off, congratulations.
1: Thanks, man. It's all, all the congrats to them. I just uh, I just try to you know, stand there and, and make sure they don't get hurt. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I know I know that's not an easy feat for any of you, for you or your athletes, because uh, you've been there before. You were your original athlete back in the day. And you can speak on this, um, maybe correct me if I'm wrong, but it's a lot harder to get there nowadays than it used to be. Right.
1: Oh, yeah, it's a lot harder. I, I have no shot anymore. Back in the day, it was, um, you know, it, it was not nearly as difficult. Mainly, there wasn't as you know, as many, quite the volume of people participating from one aspect. And then a lot of people didn't treat it so much like a sport like it is now. It was kind of like, you know, you were just having fun and, and like to compete and happen to be pretty good at it. You can kind of go, um, but they've narrowed the field and more and more people doing it now. It's almost got to be a full-time job for these individuals.
0: That's, man, it's it's crazy, man. Like, there's just some studs out there. I mean, you know, I've seen, I've seen just some of the people – some of the things your people do in the gym, man, it's, it's, it's crazy. This the amount of volume they can take. And, you know, I know you had one guy who posted on social media that um, I guess life had gotten in the way and he hadn't been training quite as hard as he mm-hmm. used to. Um, but he, but he, he just like credited his programming for the past, like, was it three, six months or something like that? And he was able to make it.
1: Yeah, I, I appreciate that. That was a, that was a, a nice little plug. Um, it kind of shows sometimes it's not necessarily about the the quantity. You know, uh, eventually, especially leading into regionals, there's got to be a decent amount of volume built up to be able to withstand the volume that's going to be that weekend. But uh, the rest of the year, the volume uh, doesn't necessarily have to be as crazy as people think it does. A lot of times it just needs to be really specific to that person. Uh, and you try to figure out how you can get the the most bang for your buck when it comes to your training time.
0: Well, real quickly, man, let's uh, let's back up for a second. Um, just for, you know, people that might be there to listen and that might not be as familiar with CrossFit and the sports side of things. Can you talk about a little bit just what the structure is like, you know, about the CrossFit Open, uh, going to regionals and then, you know, who qualifies and kind of go from there?
1: Right. Yeah. So um, the CrossFit Games, the is the pinnacle of kind of the sport of fitness and that occurs every year, uh, in August. Now it was in July. It keeps getting pushed back. The King just like every other sport, the season seems to get longer and longer and longer. So now uh, it's the first week in August and that's what you see on TV. That's the top 1% of the 1% of people that participate in CrossFit. Uh, so to get to that point, uh, there are regionals, and I believe there are 17 regionals all around the world actually. Um, you know, that, uh, you have to qualify for you go to these regional competitions and they have to perform well. And they take a small number of people from each region. It depends on what region you're in on how many they take, but usually it's between three and five individuals um, or three or five teams at each region that will qualify for, for the games. But to get to that regional, that's the open. That's what we've all been talking about. Uh, you know, Lately and what everyone gears up for, because that is the season for most, uh, most people in the sport of fitness, uh, since there are, you know, hundreds of thousands of people competing for a select number of spots at these regionals, most likely the open is kind of the, the, the goal, the game plan. It's the, uh, it's the game day for everybody. So, um, that's where we kind of, uh, we, Start with everyone. So we got the five week open that occurs uh, usually the end of February into March. Regionals are in the middle of the summer, like um, May or June, and then the games in August. So uh, that's roughly about the, the whole timeline of the season.
0: Gotcha. So, you know, super competitive. We're in the season right now. We've established that. And, you know, really what I wanted to accomplish this episode is, is just use this as an opportunity to really pick your brain about what it takes to get to regionals. I mean, your athletes, they're all studs. They work extremely hard. But I know there's a lot of details and factors at play because you're not just sitting around babysitting mutants. So where do we begin, man? What's, you know, what's the secret? You know, what, what's it like to train for the sport side of things, to be competitive versus, you know, someone like me who's just trying to stay fit?
1: You know, I wish I had. I wish I had the secret. If I had the secret, I'd probably have a lot more of these athletes at regionals. But um, you know, to tell you the truth, it when I see the biggest—I uh, don't want to say problem—but the biggest uh, thing that I think makes a difference for people when they decide they really want to be competitive in this sport is actually treating it like a sport. So we think about um, you know football, basketball, baseball. Every other you know major sport has different. Uh, Phases throughout the year. There, there are true off seasons. There's, you know, spring training. There's preseason. There are all these different phases that all the athletes competing in those sports go through. But the issue with cross in the sport of fitness is the. Training and the sport and the competition are so close alike that people end up doing more of like competition competition style training or testing all year round. They don't really um, partition their training based on time of year. Uh, I think that's the first step for a lot of people: is okay if this is going to be your sport. If you want to maximize your potential uh, in this sport, you have to look at it from you know from the season. So if the Open is the start of the season, you can kind of backtrack all the way around from now all the way in until next open and you figure out, okay, how long is my off season how long is my kind of my transition phase into more of like a preparatory period? And then what are you going to prioritize in each one of those and being okay with uh, not necessarily being, you know, being able to PR your friend time every single day, but focusing on the things that you need to work on in the off season for example maybe you need to really get stronger to compete in this sport because now I mean you saw this year you had to be able to complete to clean as a male 315 pounds or more females were you know you had to really be able to clean probably 215 or more to be able to stay in the hunt to qualify for regionals that's a pretty big number so maybe you identify I've got to get stronger well it's very very hard to f- make that a priority and also do thing you know really really hard conditioning workouts alongside of it you have to really be smart about how you structure everything so that way you can maximize that strength work so uh, a lot of people don't want to don't want to do that though they don't want to give up the throwdown with their friends um, you know at 530 p.m. every day uh, you know that's kind of their thing and that, and that's totally fine but if you want to be treat this as a sport, you have to be okay with going through these phases, doing the stuff that's not sexy, the stuff that doesn't go on Instagram, um, you know, all the structural balance work that goes into it to prevent injuries. Um, that's, that's really where you make the biggest difference.
0: Yeah, that that's a great point, man. I, you know, I think um, as human beings, it's it's hard for us to sometimes wrap our minds around doing less to get more. But You know, I know exactly what you're talking about. I mean, there's so many people out there that just want to do ass kicking workouts every day. Just Mm -hmm. don't feel like they got a good workout unless they're, you know, making the sweat angel, you know, crawling around, puking, that kind of thing too. But it just doesn't work like that, man. So are you saying that, that classic, you know, bread and butter periodization principles? can play a role in the off season.
1: Exactly, man. And that's, it's one of those things. It doesn't have to be complicated. Um, I think it's identifying a couple priorities that you really need to work on, making those the priority in that block of training and then planning around it. Um, And the same thing goes with your energy system training, you know, in the off season, uh, you need to identify uh, using the open workouts or other testing pieces, where along that energy system continuum are you, you know, do you thrive? Where do you struggle? What do you need to prioritize? And then address that accordingly, just like you would anything else periodize it and structure that progression so that way you can ensure that you're going to make progress there Um, so it really is like uh, you know these basic strength conditioning principles don't need to be thrown out the window yes CrossFit is kind of innovative in a way in which it throws all these different combinations of things together in sometimes ways that have never been seen but when it comes to preparing for it it's just like anything else you identify the demands of the sport you figure out what you need to work on you prioritize accordingly and then you put in the work got you man so
0: Now being in season, what's what's the volume like now? What's a typical day like for one of your athletes? Yeah,
1: (laughs) yeah. Now now is a little different than say leading into the open because the open is a five week competition with one workout a week, usually people are going to do that twice, uh, unless they absolutely crush their first attempt, you almost always improve a second time, just from being able to change your strategy, you know what to expect, that kind of thing. Um, You know, I don't necessarily advocate everyone doing it a second time, I'd rather them not have to. uh, But a lot of them will do it second time. So it's really maybe 10 workouts over five weeks, versus now we're we're preparing for six to eight workouts in three days. So it's a, a very different type of competition. Uh, so with our training actually changes, um, all of my athletes have pretty much shifted their training days to Friday, Saturday, Sunday as training days, um, which, you know, again, can be a bit major lifestyle shift if they're not used to that, uh, just to kind of mimic that training, um, or that, that competition type feel. Um, every Friday, Saturday, Sunday is when the most of their volume is going to be occurring with, you know, Monday being an off day for most of them and Tuesday, Wednesday being, uh, you know, lighter days, maybe working on uh, very specific individual stuff. Uh, and then especially our team coming together on the weekends to do some team type activities on Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So, um, That also allows some people maybe who, you know, don't do doubles all the time Uh, because believe it or not, a lot of my athletes, even ones that qualify for regionals, aren't doing two sessions every day. Um, Contrary to what you would probably believe if you just look at Instagram, Um, you know, that's not always necessary. It can be, it can be great, but it's not a, a mandatory thing. But now we have to kind of get used to that. So now they're starting to introduce maybe a second session on Saturday, a second session on Sunday, if they're not, you know, when they're not at work, now that they can maybe fit that into their schedule. And they have to also make it a priority in their life to to get that second session in because it is important to start building that volume. Um, So we are in that process. Uh, To tell you the truth, um, I kind of put it in, you know, three phases for the team and individuals because all of our uh, team and individuals are all the last weekend. So that means they were nine, basically nine weeks out after the open is when um, is when the competition was. So, uh, well, it was really nine and a half, I'd say. So I gave, every one time off because it's so important to get out of the gym, get your mind off of things. Um, you know, I, I had everybody that tracks their food, not track their food for a week to get their mind off that too. And I'm telling you, it probably drove some people crazy because they're so, so analytical about it, but um, some time off. And then they have a nine week period where I'm kind of putting it into three, three week blocks that first three weeks still relatively normal training, not a ton of increase in volume from what they were doing. Um, because during the open, the volume is actually pretty low because it's the intensity is so high in the open workouts. So they don't have a ton of volume. So I don't want to just jump into a really high volume training phase. So it's still pretty normal from a training volume standpoint. Um, for the individuals I'm picking kind of what energy system I think they need work on the most. And I'm starting a progression on that. Cause I really only have nine weeks. I can't really work on everything. So I want to pick kind of the thing I think they need to work on the most, um, for the teams, the, the, each three week block kind of the, the, Amount of training that's individual versus team switches a little bit. So that first three weeks, probably eighty percent what they're doing is still very individualized. Twenty percent is teamwork where we're trying to get used to starting doing things together, synchro work, splitting things up. Then as we get into kind of weeks four to six, it's like 50 50 individual stuff versus um, team stuff. And then as we get kind of those last three weeks, most of what they're doing is teamwork. We might even know the workouts by that point, so they're going to get be able to practice very specific things to the actual workouts they're going to be doing. Um, but and over the course of the nine weeks, volume will build slowly throughout the whole nine. Um, some other things I'm focusing on too is uh, you know, in the beginning right now, I'm trying a lot of really. Really random and obscure movements, things that are not necessarily practiced all year round, um, things like ring handstand push ups, weighted pistols, handstand walk obstacle courses um, i'm trying to get as much variation as possible these first three weeks, really ring because dips. yeah, yeah, a lot of ring dips too, um, but the reason being is i want I want them to try some things now, so that way if something does come up. That they've you know they maybe never seen before, never seen in competition, or it's rarely used. Um, they don't freak out about it. You know, I want them to maybe have done something like it. So this kind of first three weeks, I'm really I'm, I'm playing around with a lot of different things. Uh, I'm also introducing some change of direction stuff. And to tell you the truth, that is one of the funniest things to do uh, to put with crossfitters is having them start changing directions because um, you know I try to incorporate a lot of multi-plane type of training throughout the year. But when we get in the open season, everything is sagittal plane bilateral movements you know there's not a lot of left and right not a lot of changing direction but we've got to be able to do that um especially from a team standpoint because you've got to be able to run on and off the floor um, making quick transitions to change out teammates um so we went out to the field today and did some changing direction stuff with with cones and that was that was a sight to see some people (laughs) hadn't changed you know gone out and done you know cone drills in a while that was pretty fun (laughs) um so we had a good time um so yeah so we're um you know, we've changed things around. We're preparing for a three-day slugfest um, because that's a lot of times what regionals gets into. A lot of it is uh, sometimes who can survive because um, those are pretty intense weekends.
0: Now that's, uh, man, that's pretty uh, smart what you mentioned just about, you know, doing things like cone drills and thinking outside the box. I can see that having a lot of, you know, injury prevention implications as well too. And, And that's why I mentioned ring dips as well because, you know, speaking of knowing the workouts ahead of time, you know, that was one of the suspected theories for why they had so many uh, Pec Terrace last year it was like over 30 at regionals. Yeah, and, it was crazy. Uh, I'm sure we want to do all we can to avoid that fiasco again by the way, no CPT athletes had a pec tear, just FYI.
1: (laughs) Very true. Yeah, that's, that's, yeah, that's another thing, man. Like, uh, when you know the workouts, there's this urge to just do them all the time over and over and over again. And I understand that, but um, you have to control the volume. You know, last year, if you did those workouts over and over and over again, you were doing, you know, hundreds of ring dips a week at high intensity. And that, you know, over time, that's going to cause issues. And we saw it uh, manifest as, you know, all those pec tears at regionals. So for me, once we do know, the workouts. Uh, I'm we're gonna have a mock regional for the most part, maybe hitting all the events depending on the volume that's released, all that kind of stuff. That will make that call when they're released. But a lot of it's going to be variations of things. It's going to be, you know, practice, you know, I can get, I can still get a lot of practice of, uh, of certain aspects of a, of a workout without doing the whole workout itself. Um, you know, if I want to practice handstand walks under fatigue, I can have somebody get on a bike, do, you know, 15 seconds at a really high pace near all out, hop off and kick right up into a handstand walk. And I've basically, uh, you know, done, you know, accomplish what I wanted to accomplish, you know, have them do a high, uh, you know, a high skill movement under fatigue. I don't necessarily have to do the whole workout that had handstand walks in it, if that makes sense. Or I could do some type of hinging and heavy carries to mimic the deadlift and handstand walk workout that was in the open and then go into handstand walks without having to make them do 90 heavy deadlifts like that workout. So, um, you can get creative with it, um, and still work on the, aspects of those workouts, even when you know them without hitting the exact workout over and over and over again.
0: That that's almost where like, like coaching can be a little bit of an art. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And that's fun. It gets, you get to be creative. Um, and I think it's important because, um, you know, it's, it's one way to still feel like you're, you're doing something and getting better. And that's where I have to really communicate that with the athletes on like, Hey, you were still getting better at this workout even though you're not doing the exact workout. Um, and it's one way I can control their volume. I can ensure that they're not, uh, you know, again, I want them healthy going into regionals If they've already got something nagging going in, um, that they're probably not going to perform very well.
0: So, um, you know, besides, uh, the workouts, what kinds of factors are you thinking about program happening outside the gym? Things like nutrition, sleep, lifestyle, I'll yeah. <laughs>
1: Honestly, those are the as you as you and I've talked about so many times. Those are so important, if not more important than the training itself. Um, I, I, we work with all of our individuals on their nutrition as well. Uh, again, I, I, you know, it's it's one of those things that they've you know a lot of them at this point have that really dialed in. Um, most of them do. Some don't. Some get away with not having it very dialed in, and arguably could be even better if they do work on that aspect. Uh, and for this, uh, we we work on that as well. Um, The biggest part of it, I would say the most important part would be when you go into like that mock regionals, ours is going to be roughly two weeks out of the actual competition. So that that would be kind of the heaviest of the volume. And then we'll taper down a little bit and do more uh, like kind of skill practice as we lead into the regional itself uh, is practicing your game day fueling. Um, You know, the fueling from say, Thursday morning, or really Wednesday, say Wednesday um, of that week, even though if you're not competing until Friday, all the way up through the last event on Sunday, that is going to be so individualized. Some people can handle uh, solid food. Some people don't want to touch solid food. Some people, um, you know, do, you know, the night before, uh, they uh, they are struggle to eat if they're nervous, um, or they end up Overeating because they think, oh, I need all these extra carbs when it's something they've never done in training before. Uh, so it's an opportunity to practice it, um, and that for me is I want every variable. I want I want all of it to be checked and practiced before we go there. So we treat that as the game weekend. I'm having them track exactly what they what they eat, how they felt after they ate it, um, how they felt during the workout, how they felt after they workout, um, tracking their sleep there, so that way I can just again. Um, see if I need to work on any particular variable in that whole equation. Um, the sleep aspect, most of these guys at this point, they understand the pri- uh, how big of a, a priority sleep needs to be for them. Um, I don't know if any of my athletes are are sleep deprived. I think they all, if anything, are on the higher end. Um, probably, you know, closer to the nine-hour mark for a lot of these athletes. Uh, when I talk about sleep, I'm, I usually tend to look at um, kind of those 90-minute cycles and piecing it out. So a lot of them are, you know, at least seven and a half, but most of them are trying to get that nine-hour mark, um, which again at this at this point in time when they're putting in this kind of volume, um, that's what they need. They they need it. Um, so you, those variables, like you said, we're, we're tracking all of them. Um, they, no, I, I don't leave anything up to chance. I want to make sure that we have everything locked in, so that way when it comes to, to game day, we're not just uh, hoping and praying. We we have a plan that we know is going to work well. that's
0: good man just that that can obviously it's good to have those metrics to track those things but can also give your athletes peace of mind to give them Mm -hmm. you know several less things to worry about when it comes to the game day for sure yeah um i meant to ask man do your athletes have day jobs or they just train all day yeah
1: they all they all do man um so some of them are their jobs allow for a lot of flexibility that helps so um two i guess of our individuals one works on a farm two uh two um, own gyms, so uh, why? And while you think, oh man, they own gyms, they can train all day. Uh, those guys work harder, as hard as anybody else I know. Um, you know, co- getting up and coaching the five a.m. class, and then co- then training, then coaching a couple more classes, then training, and then coaching and locking up the gym until like seven thirty at night, and then getting up at four a.m. the next morning again. It's like they're they're having to put in work too. So yeah, they own a gym, and it lets them train during the day. Um, they, they're still working. And then on our team, um, we have, uh, a couple of them are coaches. Um, you know, w- one's still in school. Um, uh, trying to think one's a PT actually, yeah, um, I'm trying to think, uh, but yeah, most of them are working. One's actually a, an engineer. So, uh, give these guys credit. They've made this a priority in their lives and, uh, it, it's been great to see them, them all succeed.
0: No, it's super impressive, man. It's, it's just like anything else. You make it a priority and you got to prioritize and execute. To, to get it done
1: you know end of the day. yeah and not to mention our masters guys man those guys um they they work their butts off too one's an architect um one's in insurance as well aviation insurance uh, you know owns his own business and, and they're you know they put in work too they find a way to make it work
0: yeah man that that's who i want to be when i grow up dude yeah.
1: Wes and Stewart, man. Wes and Stewart, gotta... They're awesome, man. They're, they're so fun. And they, you know, they, it's crazy. They, they, especially Stewart, man. Stewart acts like he, you know, he doesn't really care that much. He's just doing it for fun, but man, he is, he is locked in when it's <laughs> time to compete. I love it. It's a, that's the fittest like 62 year old I've ever met.
0: <laughs> yeah, man. He is the man. He, I love that guy.
1: Oh, he's awesome.
0: <laughs> awesome, man. So, um, it's real quickly if there's any crossfit athletes out there listening who want to earn their spot at regionals next year or maybe miss it by a few spots this year it's it's only getting more competitive i'd highly consider looking into carolina performance training to go to the next level i mean the results speak for themselves 10 athletes this year that's right that's what i, I think i did the math right is it 10 or 11 total
1: yeah um, i guess that would be I guess it'd be 11 because we have six on the team. Um, okay, yeah, so there are okay. six in the team. Four will actually compete, but there are six on the team. But yeah, thank, I, thank you. I appreciate that shout yeah. out, man. I do. I mean,
0: 11, 11 this year alone is amazing. And, and that's all you need to know in my opinion.
1: Yeah, thanks, man. I appreciate it. It was, uh, it was fun. And that's, you know, that doesn't even include, we had a lot of people make really big progress in their open performances this past year, uh, guys going from, you know, 500th in the region to 200 or, you know, in, you know, thousand, you know, over a thousand to 500, you know, that kind of thing. So, you know, they're making big jumps too. you know, the people that at the very top that end up qualifying, they get all the headlines, but sometimes I'm even, you know, I don't want to say that it I means more to me, but it means just as much when somebody comes to me and they're like 500th or so, and they just are, you know, they do it because they love it. Um, they don't really, you know, maybe not have aspirations of really qualifying They just want to mm-hmm. see what they can do. And then they have a great open, put together five great weeks and finish, you know, 200th and make that huge jump and seeing, you know, the joy in, in, you know, in their voice when they're talking about it, you know, that's, that's just as fun for me, man. Um, as mm-hmm. the guys that, that qualify, um, cause they're putting in the work too. They're doing everything they can to reach their goals so it doesn't necessarily have to be you know we don't just work with people that are uh, you know at the top that are really just trying to make it back uh, to regionals Um, you know we I love working with with kind of the people that maybe um, they're just not getting enough out of their their own gym programming or they know they have specific weaknesses they want to work on um, to to kind of make them more well-rounded those people I love to work with as well
0: awesome man Dude, yeah, I'm a fan. Like I said, I've been your client for a couple of years now. <laughs> hey, well,
1: I appreciate it, man. It's I can't wait to see you coming up here too on uh, getting into your competition, uh, the Crawfish Festival here in early May.
0: Yeah, man. There's uh there's 15 second sprints with handstand walks. That sounded like uh, my, one of my workouts from last week. So yeah, yeah exactly,
1: man. The way to work is that you know with uh, that you know again, this is where having a coach can really help you. Uh, you know, again, I don't want to sound like I'm trying to sell something too much, but um, you know, looking at the workouts, we know what the workouts are there. We know that that competition's not going to have a rig, so we know they're limited on what they can do. We've seen the workouts in the years before, so now we can really structure the training leading into it based on you know what you're going to experience there and, and prepare you the best that we can to succeed on that day. So, uh, you know, that's where some, I love why I love individual programming. Sometimes the group stuff, while they can be great group programs, they're still not geared towards, you know, that individual, what they need to work on in that specific competition or something that's important to them. So um, that's, that's why I I really kind of shifted my focus into more the individual work. And I mean, I think
0: it's, Pretty safe to say that if you want to compete in the sport, you plan on, you have a desire to do well in the open, go to regionals, you're going to have to do individualized programming. There's just not going to be a way around it.
1: Yeah. There are probably a few people that are so talented and and that they can almost, I want to say get away with it, but they can do kind of a general template and maybe tweak it a little bit for them. Um, But that's few and far between. I mean, Matt Fraser can literally do anything he wants and he's probably still going to win. You know, that's, but that's, you know, that's not everybody for sure. So I think for most of us, um, myself included, I've had my, an individual coach for, for going on five years now, Um, the same coach. Great. Um, And, and, you know we have really specific things we need to work on and general programs no matter how well they're written they're still general programs and they're meant to touch on everything so there really isn't you know their priorities for that you know that time period that off season might not be what you need to work on so um you know that's one of those things if someone feels like they're they're not getting what they need they can always reach out to us and and hopefully we can help them
0: good deal man so
1: where, where, If they do want to reach out to you, where can they find you? Easiest ways is to go to com. There's a contact us um, place on our, on our website there um, or a direct message on Instagram. A lot of, our, a lot of people seem to, to reach out uh, via Instagram. Um, we also have a Facebook. If you send a message on any of those platforms, it ends up coming to me. So uh, I'll get back to you as soon as I can.
0: All right. Good deal, man. So, uh, just to, just to recap real quick, man, the secret to uh, getting to regionals, there is no secret. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. It's treat it, treat it like a sport, man. It's, it's not just a hobby. If you really want to go to regionals, you have to start treating it like a sport and that means prioritizing your training accordingly, going through real seasons, man. It's people, you know, they, they look at me crazy when they're like, man, I'm not really doing CrossFit right now or quote unquote CrossFit or like three rounds for time of thruster and chest bar pull-ups. Like, yeah, that's because it's June and you need to be ready next February. Um, so, you know, when you, when you look at it that way, uh, it kind of changes. You got it, it sometimes can be a tough buy-in, but then when people see the results, they start to understand why, you know, why people at the end of football season don't go out and start practicing the next day. You know, there has to be oh, sure. these different phases uh, of training uh, if you truly want to maximize your potential.
0: That's right, man. Just like you said, um, it's a sport and you got to treat it like a sport. Mm-hmm. All right, man. Well, um, that's all I got. So um, I'll go ahead and sign us off, man. Uh, if, if you want more, you can find us at thebetterfesterpodcast.com or at Uh Once again, Josh is at carolinaperformancetraining.com or at CPT underscore strength. And you can find me at vertexpt.com or at vertexpt. Hope you have a great week and we'll be back next Monday.
1: This episode is brought to you by Vertex PT Specialists. One patient per doctor of physical therapy per hour. Guaranteed, the best physical therapy ever. Check us out at VertexPT.com or on the gram at VertexPT.